Well, great to see you all. Um, I'm Becky, as Paul said, and I'm going to begin tonight with our reading, which you can find in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 to 19, and that's on page, page 1181 in the Bible in the seat in front of you. So that's Philippians 4, 8 to 19. So here we have, starting at verse 8, he's coming to the end of his letter, and he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had, you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So there we have the Apostle Paul wrapping up his letter to the church in Philippi. And in just those few short verses, um, as I was preparing this, I realized, well, there's actually three, um, three verses in there that are some of my most often used, as I call them, go-to verses. And so for our purposes this evening, I'm going to start with the one in the middle, then go to the one at the end, and then finish with the one at the beginning. And the one I want to start with in the middle is verse 13, where he says, I can do everything. I can do all this, he says through him who gives me strength. Now this is a verse that I use a lot. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling daunted, when I'm feeling tired, I remind myself that I can do everything through him, through Christ who gives me strength. Now that's how I use it. But here in context, Paul's actually expressing his gratitude to the people of Philippi for how they've supported him making it clear he's thankful, but also that even if they hadn't done anything, it would be okay because, he, as he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether he's hungry or full, whether he has plenty or not enough, he's saying he's okay with it because he's learned the secret of how to be content, whatever his circumstances. Now, the secret he's learned and it doesn't come naturally, so it is something that does have to be learned, is that he can do everything. He can do all these things through him who gives him strength. 
He's learned the secret that it's about relying on and trusting in God, whatever situation he's in, whatever his circumstances are. Now, I have to admit, although I use this verse a lot, as I said, I am not there yet. I, um, I've also learned the secret. I've learned it's about trusting God, but I am not there with any and every situation or circumstance. I think I'm probably not the only one. For instance, personally, I am not nice to be around when I'm hungry. The term hangry could have been made to describe me. I get very grumpy when I don't see the sun regularly. So you can imagine. So on this island, mm, I get grumpy sometimes. Um, and I could go on. We've struggled with our internet. Re you know, there's all sorts of things. Um, I'm not there in every, every circumstance. But I like to think that I am closer to it with some situations. I've learned how to be content in some circumstances because I've chosen to rely and to trust God in them. Now, usually I've only learned this, learned this lesson because that was the only option to me, really. There was no way that I or anyone else could change or fix the situation. So I had to trust God. And through that, God proved himself faithful, and as a result, I did learn. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples for myself. One of them was my own emotional healing. Um, you know, because no amount of inner reflection or learned psychology is actually enough to fix us. It can help us understand, and it can bring closure to some things, but it doesn't heal us. Only by bringing our brokenness, our woundedness to God, trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for us, and then relying on the Holy Spirit as he heals and comforts us, can our wounds be healed and redeemed. Now, another example for me is having children with additional needs. Through that, over the years, I have learned to trust God in lots of new ways I would have never thought possible beforehand. Now, to be honest, I haven't particularly enjoyed much of that learning. It was often painful learning. It was often hard learning. But over time, it did get easier, and it became more natural to trust God with it, growing in the knowledge that actually I can do everything. I can do these things through him who gives me strength. And as I was thinking about this and praying about it, preparing for it, um, I was reminded what came to me was someone training on a trapeze. Um, I think I like the idea of swinging. I love those pirate boat things, uh, rides at the amusement parks. So I like, quite like the idea of it. But I thought at first, just swinging back and forth that high above the ground must feel really risky. You can see him up there, so all harnessed in. But just at first, just that swinging back and forth so high must feel quite scary. And for me, with my healing, that initial step was like being open and vulnerable, actually admitting what I was going through. And that felt really risky to me because I was used to staying hidden, used to keeping it all together and not letting anyone see below the surface. But after a while, being more open and vulnerable and saying, actually, I'm finding this really hard, um, it became easier. And then it felt more normal. But then to let go and to catch another bar or to catch someone else's hands as I'm training on this, that's like no way. I just got used to the swinging back and forth bit. And now you want me to start doing something like that? <clears throat> well, for me, that was a bit like actually letting God begin to touch and to heal me which meant that I had to face the feeling of the pain 
and I had to um, deal with it. I had to bring it to the surface instead of burying it and denying it. All the shame and the guilt that I carried for many years, <clears throat> um, I had to let surface. I had to let God touch it, and that was a really scary thing for me to do, like letting go and suddenly throwing yourself through the air. But with courage and determination that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that also became easier, and then it became more normal. And in fact, after a while, I was so glad I'd learned to do it. But now, God just doesn't let us settle. He keeps expanding our comfort zones. And then after a while, he's like, okay, now I want you to start talking about it to other people. I want you to start telling your story. And for me, that was like, now you want me to learn to do a flip in the air as well? You've got to be kidding. Um, but then again, with practice and trust, that also became more natural and easier to do. And of course, what must always be kept in mind is when training on the trapeze, as we saw in the first picture, there's a harness at first to hold you and to keep you safe. And then later, as you become more proficient and you can do these things with more ease, um, then there's a safety net underneath to catch you if you slip. And that's what God does for us. At first, when he asks us to do things, it seemed like, I don't think I can do that. But he's like, no, come on with me. You can do all things. And you're like, no, I don't think I can. And he's like, no, really, you can. Um, I've got you. I've got you in your harness, so you can trust me to start swinging. And then you can trust me to start doing more. And then as we sort of get unhooked and from the harness and we learn to do more, then we know he will always be there to catch us. And if we fall, he will always be there to catch us, to heal us, to restore us, and to encourage us. Come on, try again. You can do it. Now, as Paul said, tomorrow we're going to South Sudan. And I'm fairly confident that, again, I will be learning a lot. My learning will be stretched. My learning will be stretched by my own experiences because I know there are a lot of things I'm going to experience for the first time that I'm going to have to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and I'm also going to be stretched by the people I meet because I know that the people we're going to meet have been through things I can't even imagine. They've lived through civil war for so many years and um, have really, really had a hard time. So I know I'm going to be stretched by that. But it will be a blessing to learn from them, people who know the Lord and worship him, and they're our brothers and sisters. So I'm looking forward to it, but also I know I'm prepared to be stretched. So that's the middle verse. Now moving on to the end of the passage, before we finish at the beginning. Now because of the Philippians' generosity to him, Paul makes the bold statement in verse 19, and he says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, so often in the Bible, it's our God, it's our Heavenly Father, it's our Lord Jesus Christ. But here, it's such a personal statement from Paul when he says, My God. And it reminds me of someone who's talking about a parent or a sibling or a close friend who they know will always be there to back them up. And because they'll know they'll always be backed up by this person, they also know that anyone who helps them, that they vouch for, will also be backed up and looked after. And that's how Paul's talking about God here. Because it's something else that Paul has learned. He knows because the Philippians have given to him out of love and out of obedience to God's purposes, God will repay them, and he will meet their needs. And this is something I believe we can all learn. I know I've learned a bit of it because I've personally experienced my God providing in surprising and miraculous ways, and I've seen how he's done it for so many others. 
Now, this is often, not exclusively, but often um, for those who are doing their best to live according to God's standards with their possessions and their giving, as the Philippians are here in our reading. And those are the standards that David was talking about when he spoke to us last week um, from the words of Jesus from Matthew 6, 33, where it says, seek first God's kingdom and righteousness and everything else will be given to you. Now, a bit more of my story. So I grew up, my parents were committed Christians, and I grew up going to a Southern Baptist church. And I can remember when I was about nine or 10, I don't remember exactly, but around there, I wanted an allowance, or pocket money as you would call it here. And so I um, presented my case to my parents. You know, I was grown up, mature enough, I should get some pocket money now. And so my dad said, okay, go away, think about what you're gonna do with it, and come back and tell me, and we'll see. So, to be honest, I hadn't thought that much about it, apart from I wanted to buy treats or sweets. Um, But I thought, I know what he wants me to say. He wants me to say I'm going to save some. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'll go back and I'll tell him, yeah, I'm going to save a little bit each time. So I went back and I told him my plan, right, I'll save this much and then I'll use the rest of it for whatever. And he said, nope, that's not good enough. Go away, think again. Um, And I was like, oh, I really then was stumped. I thought, I don't know what answer he's looking for. So I went back to him admitting defeat. And I said, I don't don't know what else you want me to say. And he said, "Um, well, you need to give 10% to God. You need to give it in the offering to church. And I thought, oh. I hadn't, that hadn't occurred. I thought the saving was enough. Okay, now I have to do that as well. Okay, that's, what, that's the answer he wanted. And then he showed me how the Bible teaches us to give 10%, calling it a tithe. Um, one example is in Malachi 3.10, where it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. So he must be serious. It's the principle, again, like Matthew 6, that if you put God in his ways first, he will meet your needs. He wants us to really be clear on that. And personally, I'm so grateful for that teaching and example that I was given at such a young age. Because since then, it's just not an issue for me. I've always, wherever I've been, given to my local church. It's never been a question, and it's never felt like a sacrifice. It's just a way of life. Now, the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing, but it does say repeatedly to give generously. And to be generous means to give more than is required. And in this passage, Paul's making clear that it pleases God when we give it, as it shows we understand it's not ours to start with, and it displays trust in him as our provider. Now, this doesn't make sense to those who don't know, as Paul just said, my God. But it makes sense to me, because this is an area of life where I have learned to be content. Um, And that actually has been helped by experiences of God proving himself to me when I've put him to the test. Um, just a, one story. Early on in our marriage, Paul and I, less, we'd been um, coming up to our first anniversary, and we were both, had both been students, so we didn't have much money, and suddenly we found ourselves quite a bit in debt. What had happened was we'd been in Ireland doing some sightseeing with my parents. My dad was driving the car, 
thinking he was insured for any car. Turns out it was only cars in North America. Um, but we were in the narrow roads in Ireland with the stone walls on either side, and someone was passing in the rain, three car, and then we were the last car that was hit and knocked off the road. Car completely written off, not insured. And then a couple of months later, I went to, um, to back to the States to see my family because my sister was going to have a baby, and I wanted to be there. And I wanted to see my family, and uh, I just forgot to get insurance, and then I needed emergency gallbladder surgery. So in America, that's not good. That's quite expensive. So two big bills we had um, with no idea how we were going to pay them. Now, in the end, we only ended up paying about 500 pounds because God met our needs. And just a bit at the beginning of that story is that the church I'd been going to um, in the States after university was even better at teaching on giving than the Southern Baptist Church I grew up in. And that made them extremely generous because they just all put giving into practice regularly. And my friends there decided to, take, to surprise me during my visit home by spontaneously taking an offering for me because they just felt led by God to do that. Now, they didn't end up taking it the one night they were going to because I wasn't there and they wanted to surprise me and do it when I was there. But, they, um, but then I had my emergency surgery and then they thought, oh, okay, that's why God told us to take an offering up for Becky. Okay, so we're going to do that now. And they did it, and then I just didn't know this was happening. And they came around to my front door, and I was there sort of hunched over because I'd had the surgery. And they gave me a check. It was um, for $2,500. And they said, we know this isn't enough, but it was just a small group that, collect, you know, like about 50 people they'd collected from. And they said, um, we know this isn't enough, but God is saying this is a down payment. You don't need to worry because he's going to take care of it all. And he did, basically. They were right. And it was true. And it was a great lesson to learn about God's faithfulness. Also, um, just thinking about our building project that happened here, um, which was open in 2012, and hearing about what Abby's doing in South Woodford reminds me so much of it. What seemed impossible for us, which was a five million building pound, five million pound building project. It seemed impossible, but of course it was possible with God. It wasn't easy. There were many trials and setbacks along the way, and if you were part of that journey, you'll remember when the council turned us down and when the bill went up by a million pounds over the summer. I mean, I know we lived it day by day, so I remember it well. Um, there was a lot of trials and setbacks along the way. It required sacrificial faith and sacrificial giving for all of us involved. But God was so faithful, and we, you know, as his people, we really tried our best to follow him. And I think we learned a lot. I know I did. And um, he was so faithful, and what a blessing it's been that we were able to follow him. And then as a church family, we were able to give and make it happen. So that's um, my God will meet all of our needs, all of your needs, according to his riches. And now to finish back at the beginning with verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I love this verse. We have a framed, um, framed one of it in our hallway just inside the front door. And the thing is, if you want to stay in peace which is what the verse just before our reading is about. The verse just before is a bit about, 
don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, we present your request to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's about that peace that passes understanding, that peace that doesn't make sense. When you pre present your request to God, that comes. But you have to be very careful what you give your attention to. And that's why this verse follows. Think about things that are true and noble, things that are pure, things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Don't think about things that are the opposite if you can help it. Now, obviously, in life, some things cannot be avoided. We live in a fallen world with lots of problems and lots of conflict and uh, difficulties, as we know. This verse isn't about burying our heads in the sand and living in denial, but it is about not dwelling on things you can't do anything about, not letting them steal your peace once you've talked to God about them. And the fact is that many things actually can be avoided, so much of the distraction and the noise around us is not life-giving, it's life-taking. And it's really important to know your limits. What will make me lose my peace, what tips me over into fear and worry and anxiety may be different from what does that for you. Know what it is for you and don't go there. Don't think about those things if you don't have to. This verse tells you not to, you have permission. Um, just as an, an example to extrapolate from, when I was a teenager, I had lots of friends who really loved horror films. Teenager in the 80s, it was a great era for horror films, all the Friday the 13th films and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all those things, and my friends loved them and always wanted to watch them. I hated them. I terrified just the thought of watching one. I couldn't bear it. It was not excellent or praiseworthy as far as I was concerned. Um, I didn't really think about that person, but I knew it wasn't good for me. I didn't enjoy it. So I just decided I will be the uncool one, and I'm just going to say no, and I'm not going to watch it. Um, and Because uh, I, I couldn't. Now, that is just one example. Now, obviously, there are lots of things out there that are not good to be watched. They're not good for going into your brain and into your heart and they're best avoided. Choose wisely what it is you focus on. You only have so much mental and emotional energy. Don't waste it on things that aren't good for you, things that will eat you up. Now, I told the story this morning. I'll tell it again that recently um, I bought some plants. Now that our son Joshua has moved into supported living, I find I have all this nurturing capacity that I didn't have when he was living with us because he demanded full-time care. Um, but now I have a lot of plants instead, so it's nice. So they're not quite so demanding. But um, so I bought some little ones, and I was going to repot them into bigger pots. And I brought them home, put them outside. It was quite a nice day. And forgot about them, got distracted, went inside, forgot about them until the next day. So I went out and did the potting then, put them in new pots. I had everything outside ready, brought them in on the mantelpiece, on the windowsill in the hallway. And they're growing quite happily. But this one kept the new leaves. And I'd walk by and I'd say, why, that's got a hole in it. Did I buy it like that? What's, why has it got a hole in it? And then another leaf would come out and it was chewed up. And then I thought, this isn't right. So I took a little look in and what, yeah, of course, there in the pot was a slug right at the base of the plant. So it had gotten there when I'd left it outside overnight. And I brought it in. And here, have a nice plant to chew on. So... Um, obviously, I got rid, yeah, like that. That wasn't 
that's not an actual picture of it, but it's very much what it was like. I didn't take a picture at the time. But that's what it was like. And so I got rid of that, took off some of the leaves that were more chewed on. And, um, and now I do have a picture of the actual plant. It's like that. And there's one leaf there. If you look very closely, you probably can't see it, but there's still some holes in it. But the other leaves are perfect and all growing, and it's really budding out because I got rid of the slug. And that's just an example of sometimes there are things in our lives that eat at us and they sap our energy and they stop us from growing as we should because we don't deal with them or we think we have to live with it. So get rid of the slugs. Don't let these things eat at you. And finally, the Apostle Paul says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, this can sound quite an arrogant statement to us, um, but Paul was right. After all, God chose him to write much of our New Testament. He wrote letters to the early church full of wisdom from the Holy Spirit that is as necessary and relevant today as it was then, and we need to take it on board. We need to think about it, and we need to live by it if we want to flourish rather than be eaten away at. And we can be helped in that by remembering the great truths that Paul finished his letter here to Philippi with. Um, but these things were written for us as well. That we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. And that my God, our God, your God, will meet all of our needs through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The thing is, it's always all about Jesus. And Jesus is always all about us. So we can trust him and we can grow in learning the secret of being content whatever our circumstances. So if you'd like to stand if you're able, we'll just pray and give um, a chance, give us a chance to respond to that. So let's just focus. You've been listening to me. Let's turn our focus to God again. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths written there. We thank you that you are timeless and eternal. That you are real. That you are powerful. That you are for us. That where the slugs have eaten away at us, you can restore and redeem us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, paying the price for us, and your blood which heals us and cleanses us. So I just pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come, and just for each person here and anyone watching online, anything from these words that you want us to... Um, really receive in a fresh way. You'd highlight that for each one. If you're calling someone to learn to swing on the trapeze, if you're calling someone to say, just trust me with this, let's just have a go. Remember, I've got you by the harness. If you're wanting someone to um, take the next step, and just launch themselves into the air.
trusting on someone being there to catch them. Then you'd show them what that is. And if it's about spreading that comfort zone just that bit further, that again, Lord, you'd bring your encouragement, you'd silence the lies of the enemy where he says it's not possible or you're going to fall or you're going to look foolish or it's not worth it. All of those lies be silenced in Jesus' name and we'd hear your life-giving voice, your life-giving spirit, your life-giving word speaking encouragement and hope and fresh vision and fresh courage. And anyone who has slugs in their life that um, they can be gotten rid of, then I pray as well that they would know they have permission to do that. That it's not copping out to just focus on the things that give life, but actually it's, Lord, it's what you want for us. We just receive what you have. Thank you, Lord, that it's tailor-made for each one here, unique to them. For each one, it's my God. We can all have that personal, intimate relationship where we can say, my God is my God, as well as our God. And I just see that safety net again. So I thank you, Lord, that um, you are our safety net. That when we're scared, fearful of falling or messing up, you will catch us. And it can be as simple as speaking to a neighbor. It can be as simple as anything um, where we can be fearful when the enemy lies to us. So I thank you, Lord, that you come by your spirit to set us free and help us to walk in that freedom. Amen. Amen. So we will respond in worship. But if you'd love someone, like someone to pray with you, the ministry team is here. And I would say that if you can relate to that feeling of God, I feel he's calling me to start swinging on the trapeze or take that next step, or you feel you've been eaten and you'd like someone to pray for you, then this is a time, an invitation to do that.